We're continuing on in the book of Revelation this morning. If you want to turn to Revelation chapter 6, here's where it gets good. And by good, I mean difficult. Here's where it gets difficult. We've had a pretty easy going in the book of Revelation up to this point. Uh, We've had a few things that kind of make us scratch our heads, some things that maybe seem odd to us, or some things that we don't really know the answers to. Uh, So we just, we know God has a plan, and whether we know for sure what this means or that means, uh, we don't really know. But when it gets to uh, Revelation chapter 6, that's where we begin to start seeing some things that uh, seem foreign to us. The further we get along into the book of Revelation, uh, the more difficult the reading of the text will be. Uh, We will look at the first eight verses of Revelation chapter 6 today, Lord willing. Uh, Also, if you want to, you can go ahead and put a finger in Matthew chapter 24, because we're going to be flipping back there a little bit. Matthew chapter 24, looking at a few verses, so you can keep a a finger there just for good measure. But we are... we have seen John get a vision that he that he, he spoke to the churches some things that they needed to look out for. Uh, we then saw John uh, taken up to heaven to the throne room around the Father. We saw uh, all these elders and creatures. We see the Lamb, who is Jesus Christ, enter onto the scene. We saw a, a, a seal, a, a scroll, or a book in the hand of God that no one could open until Jesus came along onto the scene. And he was worthy to open that. And he begins today in these verses that we're looking at, breaking these seven seals that were covering uh, the scroll that was in the hand of God. And so uh, there is some uh, debate as to whether uh, as these seals are open, that is the scroll is beginning to be rolled back and we're seeing what's written on the scroll, or do these seals uh, being broken open, do they just symbolize things that are happening only until all of them are broken, uh, we begin to see the contents of of the scroll. I believe uh, the second is true. That's kind of what I lean more to, but the first could be true. It could just be that what is written on this scroll are all these things that are going to take place in the end time. It could be what is written on the scroll is the names of those who are uh, the children of God, who are His elect, who He will bring home at the end of it. We don't really know what the scroll says at this point. We don't know uh, what's there, but we know that these seals are beginning to be broken. And as these seals are broken, uh, John sees a vision of things that are going to be to come. Now again, we talked early on, I won't go back into some of the main views of the book of Revelation, but there are some that would argue that these things in the book of Revelation have already taken place, that they uh, took place soon after John uh, received the revelation. There is a lot of historical evidence and and things that happened uh, around this time that have been fulfilled. You can really align them up really close with the book of Revelation. Some would say that these things that we're about to read about are all things that are going to happen ultimately at the end time. They may happen to some extent in the past, uh, but they're going to happen ultimately at the end time. Some would say that these things just continually happen over and over throughout the course of history, and there will be one time that it'll happen and that'll be the ultimate end, but that we see these things all throughout history. There's a case to be made for that. There are strong arguments for all of these things. Uh, We think about World War II. We think about Hitler. We think about numerous other wars and evil people that that fit the bill, and we see some of the same things happening in our world that we're going to look at in these verses. We see them happening now. We've seen them happening in the past. And so... uh, I think God's Word is good. I think it's unfair to limit it and say it has to apply to the past or it has to apply to our future. I think God's Word is good enough that it can apply to, 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 to many various situations throughout uh, the history of the world. 
But I do believe that these things, while they have happened in some sense and 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 in time in our life or in the life of those who we know past, I believe that these ultimately point to what's going to happen at the end time, and that is the time uh, that Jesus Christ will come back. That is the time leading up to His second coming. That is the time when we see a God's wrath poured out on this universe, on this on this earth, and that's pretty intense. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dig in. God, I come to you this morning, and I thank you for your words. I thank you for this privilege to speak, dear Lord, but I pray that you'd be with me. God, I pray that you'd help me to have the words to say, God, you know that I, I still have so many questions, dear Lord. I don't know the answers. I don't know how and when all this stuff is going to be, dear Lord, and I wish I did. And I pray that you would uh, reveal that to us, not just to me, but to, to each one of us, dear Lord. So help me not to, to focus on or help us not to focus on, dear Lord, all the details because we can get caught up in the details, dear Lord, uh, of, of this difficult book. Help us to remember, God, that you don't intend to confuse us. So help us in the stuff that we don't understand the day and in the weeks to come, that you would help us to be at peace with that. But help us not to miss your message, dear Lord. Even if we don't understand it, help us not to miss the point. Help me to understand what the point of your word is and these people to understand Help us to seek you and hear from you today, God. I pray that you forgive me for bringing in anything that's not of you, that you take that out of my mind now, that you do the same for these people. And God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would humble me to trust in you, God, not to uh, trust in my own abilities, God, because there are none that I have. They're only from you. So I pray that you would speak through me today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to have to get close until I get some glasses because I still can't see. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud, or excuse me, with a voice like thunder, Come, I looked, and there was a white horse. The horseman on it had a bow, a crown was given to him, and he went out as a victor to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse went out, a fiery red one, and its horseman was in power to take peace from the earth, so that people would slaughter one another, and a large, a large sword was given to him. When he, op- when he opened the third seal, I heard the, living, the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there was a black horse. The horseman on it had a set of scales in his hand. Then I heard something like a voice among the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. But do not harm the olive oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there was a pale green horse. The horseman on it was named Death, and Hades was following after him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth. To kill by the sword, by famine, by plague, and by the wild animals of the earth. Now here we begin to see uh, what many would would call uh, the Great Tribulation. That is, uh, these seven years of tribulation that are going to take place at the end time. Where do we get that from? We get that from the book of Daniel. We won't go into that in too much detail today, but in Daniel chapter 9, it talks about a a period of, of weeks which can be interpreted as years. And in these last seven uh, weeks, uh, 
that is what we come to know as the tribulation. Now, I have studied these texts and other texts in great detail, and I, I'll be honest with you guys, I wish I could say without a shadow of a doubt I had a good timeline, but I just I don't I don't have a good timeline as to is this the beginning of the tribulation? Are these events that are leading up prior to the tribulation? I don't really know. It's kind of difficult for me. Uh, We look at the book of Matthew. We see in Matthew 24 where Jesus talks about things that are going to be signs of the the end of the age to come. The disciples say, Lord, how will we know? And Jesus gives them some signs. I don't know if that's the beginning of the tribulation. I don't know if this is the beginning of the tribulation or if these are things leading up to the tribulation that will take place. I will say that all of these things that we look at in these verses, as well as the things we see in Matthew 24, we see them taking place in our world today. Some would say that the tribulation period has already begun, that we are currently living in that tribulation period. That could be true. We see some evidence of of, of things taking place. Perhaps the coming of Jesus Christ is much closer than some would think. Some think He's not even coming. Some think it could be a long way away. It could be much closer than we think. It is possible that we could be living in some of these things that are going to take place. Now, we talked a little bit about uh, when we'll be raptured and, and when we will go to be with the Lord, those of us who are in Christ. Will it be before these bad things take place? Will it be afterwards? Will we have to endure some stuff? Will we have to endure all stuff? Well, we'll talk a little more detail about that last week. But I personally believe in my reading of the text and, and, and reading it as good as I can and praying and trying to understand that we as Christians will be here for some bad stuff. Some bad stuff. I believe that because we look at Jesus uh, as he talks about this. We see this in three different accounts. In Matthew chapter 24, you can make a note if you want to so you can read these. Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter 21. Now those, those are different accounts of Jesus kind of saying the same thing, of things to look for at the end of the age. And it would appear as though to the best of my reading that he's talking to his disciples and he's telling them warnings of things to look out for. He's telling them, look, these things are going to happen, but don't be alarmed. They must take place before the end is near. He also says that after all these things are finished, he tells them in in Luke's account of this in Luke chapter 21. At the end of that, he says, look up because your redemption is near. So it would appear, though, that Jesus is addressing those who are no doubt His, and He's telling them all these things are going to happen. Don't be alarmed. That must take place. They're going to persecute you. But after all these things have taken place, look up because your redemption is near. I think there is a lot of evidence to point to us as Christians that we will face some really difficult circumstances. With that being said, as we go on further in the book of Revelation, we begin to see in a couple of chapters, we begin to see God's wrath is poured out upon this earth. Now, I do not believe we as Christians will have to experience that because God's Word tells us otherwise. We'll get into that in a little more detail uh, next week. But I do believe that we're going to have to experience these things that we're seeing in Revelation chapter 6. I do not believe at this point in the book of Revelation that the church has been raptured. I believe that we're still here and these things begin to take place. I don't believe that these things are, are wrath or judgment. Or, well, I believe they're judgment from God in a sense, but I don't believe they're God's wrath. I believe it is God allowing us as humanity to pretty much have our own way. And as a result, these things begin to take place. And so there's going to be some difficult times. We see four horsemen 
we see four horsemen, and they each represent something that's going to take place on this earth as the end draws near. We're going to cover the first four seals today. We're going to save the next three for later because they're kind of different. The first four cover things that are going to take place uh, in these end times. And these are the things that line up very closely with what Jesus talks about in Matthew 24. Let's look at Matthew 24, and then we'll flip back to Revelation. Matthew chapter 24. We'll start in about verse 4 and just read a couple of verses today. Matthew 24, verse 4. The disciples had asked Jesus uh, when the coming of the end of age would be, and this is His response. Then Jesus replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in My name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise up against nation and, the ki- and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquake in various places. All these events are the beginning of the birth pains. Now all of these things that we see uh, Jesus mentioned to His disciples resemble very closely what we see Jesus saying in this revelation, in the book of Revelation. First off, Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a, loud, with a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there was a white horse. The horseman on it had a bow. A crown was given to him, and he went out as a victor to conquer. Now, this first seal is, is, is difficult. There, there are really two main views of thought on this seal. Number one, that this horseman that is riding out is Jesus Christ himself. Uh, I mean, it, it talks about a, a guy on a white horse. He has a crown. He is going out as, a, as someone to conquer. Some would say that that's Jesus Christ, that before any of these things that we see that are going to be difficult times start to take place, that we can know as Christians that Jesus Christ has gone out before and that He is paving the way and that eventually, by the end of the book, He is going to conquer. And that's one view of, of, of this passage. That could very well be the case. This could be uh, some reassurance that Jesus is going out, that Jesus is in control. The other view is that this, uh, this represents the Antichrist, that this is one who has disguised himself. We see that in the, in the, uh, in the Bible that, uh, that the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. And so it very well could be that this writer is the Antichrist. I believe in this, in this particular verse that this writer is the Antichrist. He is one who, by all accounts, appears to be one like Jesus Christ, but he is not. There's a couple reasons why I think that. One, because the crown that is given to this is a total different Greek word than the crown that Jesus wears at the end of the book. It's two different words. It's two separate kind of crowns. Two, this writer comes holding a bow and Jesus Christ wields a sword. We see that as we talk about Jesus Christ. And while he does ride a white horse like Jesus does, I do not believe that this is Jesus. I believe this is one who is the Antichrist. That is the one who is going to come, I believe, throughout the world's history. We have seen many Antichrists, the Bible tells. That is those people who are evil, who the devil has used. But I believe in the end times there is going to be one Antichrist, singular, who is going to be this main person who is going to come and who is going to deceive many. 
Again, go back and read the end of Daniel chapter 9. We have some good evidence of that being the case. I believe that that is the one talked about here. He deceives many. Jesus said in the account in Matthew, He said, when those times come, there will be many who will come saying that they are the Messiah, but do not be deceived. When the Antichrist comes, I believe that he will be a slick-talking, good-looking Boy, he will sweep you off your feet. He will come preaching hope and peace. He will come preaching everything that our world wants to hear. And many will be deceived by it. Why? Because people in this world are looking for hope. They are looking for peace. And while so many of them have missed Jesus Christ, some of them maybe have never heard of Him, many have heard and discounted Him, people are still looking for hope and peace. That's the same thing people have always wanted. For those of us who are in Jesus Christ, we have found hope and peace. We know that that's the only place to find it. But for a world that is living in darkness, who have been blinded by the devil, who cannot see, who do not know the dark from the light, when this Antichrist figure comes onto the scene, he will appear as one who is awesome and victorious, is in control, and he will deceive many and they will follow him. I believe that what we see here in Revelation chapter 6 is the beginning of that. And there will be the Antichrist who will enter the scene. Now, I believe personally that the Antichrist is alive on this earth today. Don't ask me who he is. I don't know. I believe that he's probably alive. I believe firmly that we are living the last time. And I know what some of you are saying. Oh, my grandma, they said that that was the last time in World War II and in this, that, and the other. And it it ain't going to happen. And there's been bad things. And there's been plagues and famines. Well, you may be right. It may be another thousand years. But the point of these passages that we're looking at in the book of Revelation is God is giving us a warning. He's telling us what to look out for. He's telling us to be prepared. Jesus is telling us in the book of Matthew, these things are coming. Get ready. He said it's going to be hard times. He tells his disciples, be ready. They're going to persecute you. Now, we need to listen to this, church. We need to listen that we could be living in some very difficult times. God's Word is here, I believe, in the book of Revelation and Jesus' prophecy of the end time to give us a warning so we can take a look at our life, so we can make sure we're living for God. Not so we live in fear because we know that these things must take place. Jesus said, don't be alarmed when you hear these things. They must take place. Those of us who are Christians, we trust in the Lord. We know that He is ultimately going to take care of us. We know that He is going to be there for us. We know that He will be our strength in that time. We should be aware and we should be prepared for whatever may come our way as a Christian. But we should not be fearful. Those who are not in Christ, on the other hand, should be very fearful. Those who do not trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and have not asked them into their heart to forgive them and cleanse them of their sins, when these people who have not accepted Jesus Christ read these events that are coming in the book of Revelation, they should be scared out of their pants. And we're going to see that a little later on next week. There is reason to fear if you do not trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because there's some bad times coming. And it is only through Him that we can have strength and that we can be redeemed. And there is one who is coming who will deceive many. Do not be deceived, church. There are many who are coming who will preach a false gospel, who will try to lead you astray, who will teach you something other than God's Word, who will teach you something other than Jesus Christ, and it would look so good. It would look so good is to almost deceive even the elect, the Bible would say. It's Antichrist, dude. He's going to be a slick talker. 
He's going to deceive many. We must be ready, church, that we are not easily strayed, that we, we follow a false Messiah. And I believe that the one in Revelation chapter 6 that is being referred to here is the Antichrist who has now entered onto the scene. The second seal. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse went out, a fiery red one. And its horseman was in power to take peace from the earth so that people would slaughter one another. And a large sword was given to him. So here is the end times uh, draw near in the book of Revelation. It says that there's another horseman that goes out. This horseman symbolizes that all peace will be taken from the earth, that people will be at war and slaughtering one another. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, when the end draws near, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now I know what you're saying. Well, what about World War II and World War I and all each other? I know there's been a lot of wars, but I'm telling you, if you look at the news today and you look at what's going on in our world today, it is, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to say that there is not a major war brewing. I believe that to be the case. You look in the Middle East, you see all these different people, you see what's going on with Israel. And it seems imminent, barring a miracle from the grace of God, that war is coming. And the Bible says that close to the end times that there's going to be this horseman that is going to be released that symbolizes uh, this war and slaughter and bloodshed and this peace that is going to be removed. It's odd that everybody in the world, they say they want peace, they say they want peace, but, but everybody's at war with each other. Everybody's at war with each other so they can beat the other one in half peace. It makes no sense whatsoever. Everybody wants peace, 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 but everybody wants to blow the other one up so they can have peace. It is inconceivable. It makes no sense. And the Bible says in the end time, that's what it's going to be like. So we have the Antichrist who has entered onto the scene, and now we see that the world is starting to get in bad shape. We're starting to see wars and slaughtering of each other all over the place, and this is some scary stuff. The third seal. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there was a black horse. The horseman on it had a set of scales in his hand. Then I heard something like a voice among the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. But do not harm the olive oil and the wine. Now Jesus says in Matthew 24 that in the end times that there is going to be uh, famine and pestilence and things such as that. Uh, typically, when we talk about the color black throughout our history, uh, black refers to plagues and, and, and things such as that. And in the end times, the Antichrist will be here, war will be breaking out, there will be no peace. And then on top of that, there are going to be all these other crazy things. There are going to be these plagues. There are going to be all these hard times that are going to be taking place. There's going to be famine in the end times. Typically, when there's war, famine comes along with it. And famine is a bad deal. People are fighting, there's war. There's not enough food to get. The price of food goes through the sky. You won't even be able to afford anything. It says a denarius. It says a quart of wheat for a denarius. That's a quart of wheat. That's how much it would have taken for someone to live for a day. That would have been enough for, for one person to have one meal for a day. It's going to cost a day's wages. Now you think about that for a second. It says that in the end times when the third seal is broken, that a quart of wheat... It's going to cost a denarius, a day's wages, and that would only be enough to feed one person. Now, average person makes in the United States today $120 a day. That's give or take a little bit. $120 a day just to feed yourself. What if you got a family? 
Well, if there's three or four people to feed, you go broke quick. These are going to be hard times. These are going to be hard times. Uh, the, the creature goes on to say, but do not harm the olive oil and the wine. Now, there is, there is a couple of different views as to what that could mean. One could be that the wine and the olive oil, those are, those are luxuries. That when this time comes, that what will really matter will be the wheat, will be the bread, will be the things that we really need to survive. And there will be plenty of the luxuries out there. There will be plenty of the luxuries, but when this point in time comes, you won't care about anything else. All you'll care about is you've got to get enough to eat. Another view is that when it talks about that, it talks about those who are wealthy. That those who are wealthy would have the wine and the olive oil. And that this creature is saying, don't harm them. Let them keep living their life of luxury. Now, I don't know which is true. I don't know which of those is true, but those are a couple different views. But I believe that the first is probably true. I believe that when those end times come and when it gets uh, where, where we realize what's really important, there'll be stuff, all kind of stuff that we consider valuable now. But when it all comes down to it, we realize the only thing that's really valuable is our food. It's the only thing that we'll need to survive. These are going to be difficult times that are coming, folks. These are going to be difficult times. And I know a lot of people believe, a lot of Christian people I know believe, and they have some strong uh, arguments, some strong verses to point out that we as Christians will be gone before this point, and maybe we will. But maybe we won't, church. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing in Matthew 24 and the other uh, verses. I believe that He has given His disciples, and that includes you and me, a warning to know what to look out for. So that we're not caught off guard. So that when the end times come, if we are here and going through some hard times, that we don't say, well, God, I never knew. I wasn't ready. What am I going to do? That we are ready because we know what God's Word says. That we not sit by idly, but that we be prepared for whatever may come our way. Not trusting in our own abilities, but trusting in the Lord and knowing that we could face hard times. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there was a pale green horse. The horseman on it was named Death, and Hades was following after him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, by famine, by plague, and by the wild animals of the earth. And so here we see uh, massive deaths take place. First, death comes, and following him is Hades. I believe death is, that is to take the life of the people, and Hades probably symbolizes to take their soul. It talks about famines and plagues and some things that I had mentioned a few minutes ago. These are the things that are going to take place as the end draws near. And I believe that God gives us these things as a warning so that we as His children can be prepared as I said earlier, so that we will not be caught off guard. There was a movie I watched some years ago. It was called Final Destination. It was, pr- it was a pretty dumb movie. But what happened in the movie is these teenagers, they had these like weird dreams or whatever, and they would dream about one of them dying, and then they would begin to, re- they begin to realize that what they were dreaming was a sign of what was going to take place. And so what did they do? If they knew that they were going to die on a bus wreck, they would do whatever they could to not ever ride on a bus. They were heeding what the signs were, and that was a dumb movie. But we as Christians should be like those people on that movie. That is, God has given us an exact layout of what's going to happen. It's not a mystery. It is not a mystery that we have to wonder what's going to take place as the end draws near and what's going to happen. God's Word tells us exactly what it is. 
And how foolish would it be for us as Christians to not heed what God's Word says, to not be prepared, to not be ready to trust in God, whatever may come our way. I don't want you to be fearful, church. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be ready. I want you to know that Jesus says, look, these things are going to happen. These things are going to happen. But the end is not yet. There's going to be some harder times ahead. Could we be living in the tribulation period that we call it right now? Could the Antichrist already be on the scene and, and some of these things be happening before the tribulation? I don't know. But here's what I do know. I know that Jesus is coming back. And I know that we're living in a bad world. I know that we're living in a world that needs hope. I know that we're living in a world that's looking for peace. I know we're living in a world where there's war, where there's bloodshed, where there's famine, where there are people dying by the thousands every day. I know we're living in a world where Christians are killed every day. I don't even know how many hundreds of, or, or thousands of Christians are killed today because they stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 50, 60 years ago, some of y'all would have said, if, you'd have, if somebody would have told you this is what the world would be like in 2015, you'd have probably laughed them off the, off the planet. You'd have said, no way. People getting killed for Jesus, that ain't never going to happen. And now it's happening left and right every time we turn on the news. Church, I believe we are close to the end times. And I know the Bible says nobody knows the day of the hour. I ain't predicting. I ain't predicting it's going to be today. I ain't predicting it's going to be tomorrow. But it may. It may. God has blessed us as a nation for many years. We've lived a good life for many years. But I believe, church, that there are hard times coming. And the United States of America is just as prone to the judgment of God in these hard times as anybody else. So we must be ready. Do not be deceived, church. Do not be deceived by those coming preaching a good thing if it's not Jesus Christ. Do not be deceived when the end comes. Do not fear, church. Do not fear those who are in Jesus Christ because He will be with you. No matter what takes place, He is going to be with you to the end of the age. Jesus told us that in Matthew chapter 28. Some of you may know it as the Great Commission. Jesus tells His disciples to go out and do His work, make, make disciples of all nations. Tell them about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then He tells, and then He says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. We still have a job to do, church. If the end is near, if it's imminent, if it's 10 years from now, praise the Lord. If it's 1,000 years from now, praise the Lord. But whenever it is, church, we still have a job to do. And if you believe that the end is near, then you better get on your job. That should motivate you to want to get on your job, and that is to make disciples of all nations. That is tell people who need hope and peace that Jesus Christ is where to find it and not anywhere else. We have nothing to fear, church, because God is on our side. And if you're fearful, go ahead and read the rest of the book. I got good news for you. I'll ruin it for you. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. If you're sitting in this room today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ and you've tried to find hope and peace in something else and you're hearing about these things that are going to happen in the end times, if you read on a little further in the book and you see what happens when God's wrath comes, you better be very fearful. You have a lot to fear. You have the judgment of God to fear. There are bad times coming. Are you ready? There are only two sides to be on. You're either with God through the blood of Jesus Christ or you're apart from God 
and living in sin. And the good news is that God doesn't want anybody to be apart from Him living in sin. God doesn't want anybody to experience the coming wrath that we're going to see in the book of Revelation. He desires that all would come to Him and accept Jesus Christ and be covered by that blood so that they may be forgiven. And if you hadn't done that today, then you need to pray to the Lord because your time may be short. And you say, you're just trying to scare me. I'm just telling you what God's Word says. I don't know. You may have another hundred years. You may not have another hundred seconds. But I know that the time of Jesus coming is one minute nearer than it was a minute ago. And He's coming. Are you ready? Let's pray. God, we come to You this morning there's some tough stuff in Your Word, dear Lord. It's, it's kind of scary to us, dear Lord, when we think about uh, how bad things have gotten. And God, this is just the tip of the iceberg. These are just the birth pains, dear Lord. Just the stuff that we're experiencing now is not even close to what's coming, dear Lord. So I pray that as a church, we'd be ready for you when you come back. That you would give us strength, that as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be a community for one another. If we're living in hard times, God, that we would continue to be strong, to look out for one another. That even in the midst of the hard time, that we could be a light for the world. That we would preach your hope. That we would preach your peace. God, I pray that you would help us to just understand your word a little better because sometimes it's tough. So help us not to miss the point, God, of your word. I pray that if there are any here today that do not know you, Lord, that they would come to you. Maybe they heard your word today and they realized that, that you are in control, dear Lord God, that you are the only God, the only maker of heaven and earth. Maybe they realized today that you did send your son Maybe knowing the coming uh, judgment and the coming wrath, dear Lord, maybe you've, you've tugged on their heart. I pray, God, that if there are any in this room that do not know you, that they would come to you today. That they wouldn't have to live in fear of the judgment to come, but they can live in peace in the presence of Jesus Christ. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.